What are you laughing at over there, Hoff? You feel okay? You still upset? Listen, I, I feel good. I'm in Philly. I'm. I just walked in here and I see all this news and I'm bugging out. So I'm kind of just trying to regroup <laughs> here, and I'm getting excited. First of all, I, I, some things you just said. I think they do have to trade some people. First of all, I think first of all, you look at this huge salary cap that they have right now. That's the salary they have. There's twenty million dollars sitting there, and all I could think of. Freaking Brody Van Wagen and Robinson Cano. That's $40 million that's on the books because of him. You can't get rid of it, but I'm glad that we have an owner that's willing to eat that money and say, I don't care. But if that's the case, like, we may have to find relief. We have to find a way to trade James McCann because, again, we've decided he's useless on this team. We know other teams are interested in him, so we have to offload that. Even though it's only $10 million, that's $10 million. It's David Robertson. Um, I do think... You have to either unload Escobar, Carrasco, and or Canna. Those some sort of combo of those three guys that opens up a book for David Peterson. That opens up a book for you know Beatty playing third base, or you know and, and McNeil playing the outfield, or some something crazy. Because I think one thing we're missing here. You said it before that screw it. If we can't get Nimmo, let's just get Carlos Correa. How about this? Let's get Carlos Correa anyway. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. I mean, I, I, I not because I don't think the payroll is going to be four hundred million. It's, it's, but it's but it's not going to be. It's not going to be because you're going to trade away about twenty to thirty million dollars. Like, it kind of not that worth, worth that much money, and that's not worth that much. But I don't know. I don't know if it's as simple as that. Um, I do think that. They will look to trade James McCann, and there aren't enough good catchers in baseball, so I'm sure there will be a team. There already are teams that would be somewhat interested, but you may have to pick up part of that money, or you may have to take back some money from a player's contract who isn't as bad as James McCann's. Carrasco, I do. it does start to make sense that they would deal him, that they're loading up on the pitching that they like. David Peterson deserves a spot in this rotation. He really does, and you know, I'm not sure they're going to buy into my idea of a six-man rotation. So I do think that you could feed Carlos Carrasco to a pitching-hungry team on a one-year $15 million deal and get back a prospect, which is basically what you should be looking to do, try to replenish the farm system or add to the farm system, not replenish. I guess you're replenishing the fact that guys are graduating, that you have prospects that are no longer prospects. They're major leaguers. You know, Brett Beatty is hopefully going to be an everyday player on this team. Same thing with Francisco Alvarez. Ronnie Mauricio continues to put on a show in the Dominican Winter League. You know, at some point you say to yourself, hey, can he be an option? Uh, It's not going to be Correa, though. That was a pipe dream idea I had if they realized, you know what, we're not going to pay Brandon Nimmo. I think the ideas that make sense are the right-handed DH options. Preferably a guy who can play a position so that they have defensive versatility. J.D. Martinez doesn't necessarily have that. He also lost a lot of his power last year. So you wonder how much of him is left. Um, but I do think they're going to add some bats to this lineup. It's just not going to be the massive slugger that maybe people want. But right now their focus is Senga. I mean, they are really eyeing Kode Senga to enhance this rotation. And that would be, look, I know that we haven't seen him pitch other than highlights or the World Baseball Classic. But it is a little, it's intoxicating to think about how good he can be. You know, what level of starting pitcher can he be? There's the risk he's not a good one. There's a risk he's a middle reliever by year two. I get that. 
But then there's also the reward that maybe he's you, Darvish. You know, maybe he's an elite level guy. And I'm willing to take the risk, especially with a rotation that already features Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Jose Quintana. We'll see about Carlos Carrasco. Uh, and we'll see who else fills out this rotation. But that's their their next focus. Nimmo is a must-have. Nimmo is a must-have because beyond just this year, beyond how do you fill center field this year, I was looking at the free agent class next year and the year after that, and there was nothing. Like, other than developing your own, and I think Ramirez is still a couple of years away, and I don't know if Mauricio becomes a center fielder necessarily, maybe a corner outfielder, or trading a bunch of prospects for Brian Reynolds, or taking a flyer on one of the Diamondback center fielders, there was no avenue of success in center field. Like, it's just not a long list of real good, talented center fielders. So eight years, 162 was just a risk you sort of had to take, not just for this year, but for beyond. But I'm I'm glad he's back. And I wonder also how much of this was Nimmo going to Boris saying, get me the best deal possible, I want to stay. Because for as much as people assumed that Grom didn't want to stay, there was always this belief that Brandon Nimmo loved it here and wanted to stay. And even though Scott Boris is a bottom line guy, he's going to get his players the top buck he can you listen to your guy, and it's very possible, I don't know if we'll ever know the truth here, that Brandon Nimmo went to, went to his agent and said, get me the best deal, but I want to stay. And thank you, Scott Boris, for not making us wait till February. Because Scott Boris is the king of wait, 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 wait. And I guess once Aaron Judge signed, it was easier to say, all right, this is the market. Let's just sign the best deal possible. And the Mets gave him the best deal possible. Now, I don't know if you were checking your Twitter at all, but you did see that someone tweeted about an hour ago. Brandon Emmo. Yes. So yes. he seems to be very pumped to be back, uh, unlike other people where we barely could get to have the media to speak to them. Uh, Nimmo came right to the fans and said, I'm here for you guys, which, again, the one thing you have to remember is that even though Brandon Nimmo is not a Hall of Famer, no one's ever going to put there and be like, he, we got to retire his number. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe in the next nine years, maybe you want to, or eight years, maybe you want to. But he is a fan favorite. Anybody I talk to, their kids love Brandon Nimmo. So it is. Yeah. He is a New York man. No doubt. And look, he, he may not be a Hall of Famer, but how many guys have we had who are homegrown, who have a 15-year career with only the New York Mets? It's a very short list. Brandon Nimmo was called up in 2016. So do the math. He's already been in the major leagues for six years, and he just signed an eight-year contract. He's a Met for 14 years. Like, think about how many Mets have done that. How many guys have done that? So, no, I, I totally get that. My wife made a comment to me, um, not only about Durant after he demanded his trade, but obviously recently with DeGrom leaving. And she said, don't you think we should stop getting jerseys for the boys, my two sons? And I said, no, I get it. I totally understand it. You know, for two months, we think Kevin Durant's gone. Those were the jerseys of Jimmy Jet had Kevin Durant. Spence has a Everybody has a Kevin Durant jersey. He demands a trade. We're like, oh, crap. What do we could do with these jerseys? We all have the Grom jerseys. He's obviously in Texas. But I, I jokingly said before I came up here to record with you, I said to my wife, Nimmo's safe now, honey. <laughs> If the boys like Brandon Nimmo get the damn jerseys, 
I mean, he can't be any more safe. I got, I got a freaking eight-year contract. Now, nah, he's he's a liked Met. He's a beloved Met. Everybody loves the, the running the first base when he gets hit by a pitch. Now I just want him to stay healthy for hopefully five of the eight years, give us the production he gave us last year, and be the engine of this offense. The Mets are able to run back this offense. And while that may sound bad to a lot of people, there are two reasons why that's actually good. Number one, they were a top five offense in baseball, so they weren't bad. And number two, you're adding high-octane bat prospects to this lineup and Alvarez and Beatty. That's what you're doing. You're adding them. The guys that we screamed for last year to be called up have a chance to be in the opening day lineup. They do especially if they have the attitude of Alvarez is the catcher, period, stop. He's going to learn how to catch. What better way to learn than catching Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer? Throw him right in there. Have him catch guys who are double his age. It's perfect. Like, you've added, even by accident, major offense to this team. I mean, think about think about the production Tomas Nito and James McCann had for the New York Mets. And then compare it to whatever Francisco Alvarez gives the Mets offensively. Even if Francisco Alvarez hit 238 with 17 home runs and 66 RBIs, that's still a lot better than the catching production the Mets got a year ago. So running it back may not be the worst thing in the world when you're able to add what you hope are going to be impact bats. Because look, I'll say this a lot before opening day. It's boring, but it's true. The Mets will go where the development takes them. Ask the Braves. That's how the Braves caught the Mets last year. Part of why they caught the Mets last year. Because Michael Harris got called up and was awesome. You need young players to contribute. So overall, great night. Nimmo's back. They add to the bullpen by signing David Robertson. Real quick on DeGrom. It's tough when you're on the other side. Very difficult when you're on the other side to hear DeGrom say, I came here because they have a vision to win. Now, the reason why you have to take a step back and say, well, I can't scream and yell too much. Max Scherzer said the same thing to us a year ago. Justin Verlander is going to say the same thing this year. And we like to say, well, but it's true. Well, we think it's true because the Mets are spending. So are the Rangers. They are. They added two elite shortstops last year, or guys they thought were elite shortstops. They go out and sign DeGrom. They're not done yet. They're going to add more guys. I'm not telling you they're going to win 95 games. I'm telling you that it's tough, even though I was, to be mad at Jake for lying when Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander say the same thing to us. Last year, when Scherzer came here and the Mets had won 78 games, did he really come here because I believe the Mets are trying to win? Look, I'm sure he thinks the Mets are trying to win, but he thinks the Mets are trying to win because they just paid him $42.5 million. That's what happened to Jake. Uh, so it's tough to hear, even though I, I, I get it. Look, it would be great if DeGrom would tell the truth, which is they offered me five years and my old team didn't even offer me anywhere close to that. Like That'd be great, but that's not, that's not what was going to happen. Most guys sign and they lie. And they say, ah, oh, it's because I love this city. Ah, oh, it's because I want to win. Look, Justin Verlander is the same thing. Why did Justin Verlander sign with the New York Mets? Sign with the New York Mets because they paid him a crap load of money. 
And one other thing. I'm not going to do this on the air. I'll do it here on the pod. I have numerous people reaching out to me claiming they know for a fact. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's all a rumor. But it's more than one person. And I don't know where they're getting this from. And maybe they're, maybe they're telling the truth. I don't know. But I have more than one person now reaching out to me to tell me that Max Scherzer hates Justin Verlander's guts. Okay? I just, I just want to get that out there. Because now I've heard it from numerous randoms on Twitter. Like, you don't even know the worst of it, Ev. They hate each other's guts. Scherzer wants to punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah, but but hold on a second. Like, I'm not saying that there was that sort of cruelty in other people's, like, um, written material. But I- I've heard all along in Detroit they weren't, like, best of buddies. That they like, were that they like weren't. thing. That they that were like they weren't. Thing. Yeah, so like they were. No, not. no, repeat that because I couldn't hear that they were what they they were not best of buddies. Like they right, were, not- but it was. But Hoff, it, yes, but it was reported as a competitive kind of rivalry, not a hatred. Like there's a difference between they're not best buddies, which I've heard, we've all heard that they're competitive with each other. That's different than they hate each other's guts. <laughs> I I mean, look, here's the truth. It doesn't matter if they hate each other's guts. Like, let's be honest. You got 26 guys in a room. There are going to be some guys that hate each other's guts. I mean, look at WFAN. Boomer Esiason hates Brandon Tierney. It's obvious. You know, well, really, it's Brandon hates Boomer because of the sportsman. They, they can't stand each other. But that's okay. Like, the station works. We all know Craig hates Sal Licata. Like, that's a thing, right? But it works. So... It'll be interesting when the season starts to see how many camera shots we get of Max and Justin next to each other, if we get any of them. But it's just funny to me because I've gotten a few of those. They they hate each other. Scherzer's pissed that Verlander's here. <laughs> so, so if we were to ever get a Papelbon-Harper situation on this New York Mets team, would it be Scherzer Verlander? Would it be Scherzer and Alvarez? Who you who would you take a spin at like of like the, that that situation coming down to with the New York Mets? Yeah, it would be one of the pitchers with Alvarez because they would get frustrated with something the twenty year old did and they choke him. No, I I have no idea. the The funny part about Verlander and Scherzer ever getting into a fist fight is that they are all time greats. You know, a part of what made the Piazza Clemens rivalry so cool is it wasn't just two baseball players. It was two Hall of Fame. I know Clemens isn't in it, but you know what I mean? Two Hall of Fame guys. So if Scherzer and Verlander ever got into a fist fight, that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. You know, two all-time great pitchers. And we're going to do that pot at some point. We're going to really break down Verlander versus Scherzer all time and try to kind of take our pick on who's the better all-time pitcher. I will say this much. If I have to go for who is more intimidating, Scherzer with the two-color eyes or Justin Verlander with that dimple on his chin, I might lean towards Verlander. <laughs> oh, I go Scherzer. The two-color eyes got to freak you out. I mean, that's... That, that's dimple, just... that dimple is so deep. I've never seen one as deep as, as Justin Verlander. I heard cool. that's what drew Kate Upton to him. It was all the dimple right there. That was it. 
Anyhow, uh, thank you for listening to uh, Instant Reaction, Emergency Rico Bronia. We've done a lot of pods this week, so I can't guarantee we're going to give you another one. <laughs> we may be done for the week. <laughs> we may have a little break to recharge, at least until they sign Kodak Sanka, which could happen in an hour. But again, Brandon Immo's back. David Robertson added to the bullpen. Any thoughts, questions, comments, feelings, you can email us at thericob at gmail.com. Check out Hoff with Tiki and Tini. They're going to be in Philadelphia on the Friday midday show. And Craig and I obviously on the fan at 2 o'clock. And I'll be back with Joe on Saturday at 10 a.m. Thank you for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>